He hasn't done anything for you. You can sit down. You are too. But to those of us that know that God keeps on looking out over, somebody help me say over and over and over and over again. Thank you, choir. Thank you. What an awesome, powerful song. Thank you so much. Amen. There is a word from the Lord as we remain standing for this fourth and final message in this one-word series. I don't know if I have ever done a series that consists of just one word, but we have been blessed all month long from the word more. Somebody say more. Just before I read this text, I shared this morning at 8 a praise report. I thought I would share it at 11. One of the faithful members of this church, young adult man and his family, his wife and kids, he has been in this ministry a long time. In fact, he came here as a young boy, called me on Monday and said to me, he says, Darrell, I need to share this praise report with you. He says, at the beginning of the month, you pass out the handout. That's why you need that word, and that's why we go to the trouble to give you the sermons, not just to print it out so that we can touch and agree, and you can let it just be in your memory all month long. He said, God said to me, perhaps this is when things are going to turn around for this is when I'm going to answer your prayer. For over two to three years, he had been struggling and fighting with the government over a disability claim that he could not and had not been able to, to work as he desired. Something happened on the job. And they denied him over and over and over again. At some point, the naysayers and the critics said to him, give it up. It will never happen. But he had somebody on the inside who was helping him. Some, some young lady that worked for the agency, federal government, says, I just couldn't give it up. I had to keep fighting for you. Over several years, nothing happened. And you know the enemy. Can I tell you this testimony? Before we read the scripture, the enemy says it's over. Then Sunday came to church, and God declared and decreed increases on the way. And he and his wife touched and agreed and said, God's going to do something. Monday morning, Monday morning, this is not fiction. This is not a parable. This isn't made up. He received the call. <laughs> and the call said, I've got not just good news, but phenomenal news. For years, we've been fighting for what belonged to you. The good news is that you've been approved. Now listen to this. The better news is that you will receive, and here's the word, more than what we ever thought you could get. And so he says, I would have been happy with what was coming to me. 
But when they told me what it was, was substantially more than I had even ever imagined. He said, I put the phone down and my wife and I praised God all Monday. I shouted in the house so much, I got tired, went and took a nap, woke up and shouted some more and told the devil, you take that. I thought I would share that. For every critic and naysayer that say, Pastor Jackson just talking. Don't believe that, they just, they just talking. When God declares something, it will happen for somebody. And can I just give you this one prophetic thought that just dropped in my mind. Look at somebody and say, you may be next in line. get on the devil's nerve. Look at somebody and say, you could just be next in line. Somebody shout more. That testimony blessed me. He called me. I was in the locker room at the gym. And I hollered and screamed and touched and agreed and prayed with him so much they thought I was losing my mind. Somebody came and said, Senator, is everything all right? Did, did you get some bad news? Are they going to do something to you at the State House? I said, State House can't touch this. <laughs> More. Here's the text. Here's the text for the fourth and final message. Very familiar Old Testament reference found in the book of Malachi. Chapter number 3, verses 10, 11, and 12. And we're reading from the NIV translation. Hear the reading of God's holy word. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Listen to this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Now note, if you will, how many times the words I will appears. I will means it's going to happen. Something is going to happen. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessings that there will not be room enough to store it. And here are these words again. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. And the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is right, says the Lord Almighty. Verse number 12. Then all nations will call you blessed. For yours, here's the word again, will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. And the church said, Amen. Reach over and catch someone by the hand. Squeeze those hands in this fourth and final message in this series that is entitled, More. 
this is a word from the Lord for somebody in here. Someone viewing by way of internet, someone listening by way of radio. Can we grab hands and touch and agree? Look at somebody and say, more, more. is on the way. Ah, more is on the way. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. More is on the way. Now, it takes faith to believe that. And if your faith isn't there, you just shout for those of us who have enough faith to believe that more is on the way. Listen, for the past three weeks, over the last three weeks, we have talked, preached, taught, rejoiced over this one word that is entitled more. And how often this word is used to convey the supernatural favor of God. Just to review what we have gone over the last three weeks. In the first message of our series, it was stated that by the sacrificing of his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, God provided all mankind with an opportunity to receive the gift of salvation. Keyword in that is gift. It was not something you earned. It wasn't compensation for work you have done. It was simply a gift, and it was salvation was more than we deserve because the wages of sin or death is death. And so in the second message of this series, it was said that as we look back over our lives, it's good to reflect back, isn't it? It's good sometimes to look back and retrospect over your life. We did that in the second sermon, in that second message. As we look back over our lives, we were able to declare that the Lord our God has certainly given us a lot more than what we could have ever imagined. Think about even where you are now. Think about where you could have been, where you should have been. Think about how the mercy of God intervened on your behalf, and you must confess that God has been good to you. Amen. Yes, that does deserve a hand of praise. God has been good to us, and he's given us more than we could have ever imagined. And then on last week, the third message of this series, we declared and decreed that we serve a God of abundance and also a God of sufficiency. In other words, God can give us more than enough abundance. God is more than enough sufficiency. God can not only give you more than you could imagine, but God himself in your life is all you need. He, he is more than enough. He's better than a friend. 
He's better certainly than fake friends and lying colleagues. Amen. God is better than folk who say they love you one day and hate you the next day. Somebody say he is more than enough. And so now in this, the fourth and final message of this series, God has instructed us. He has given us as an assignment to look at and to share what is perhaps one of the greatest promises in the Bible. That is the promise to those that are faithful. Can I say that again? To those that are faithful. There are some promises in the Bible that are unconditional. And then there are others that are very much conditioned on your obedience to God's instructions. And so this is one of the greatest promises in the Bible. To those that are faithful, God has promised that not only has, have I blessed you in such a powerful way, but that more of my blessings are now on the way. Is there anybody who believes that? Can we all lift our hands and just virtually touch and agree that that's what we believe? I mean, this is not a gimmick. I don't need or want anything from you. It's not a trick. I'm not preaching to you and you won't ever see me again. Amen. This is standing here telling you what God said. That if you trust me, that as good as you think I have already been, I'm here to tell you that I can be even better. Greater is coming. There is something with your name on it that is even greater than what you have already seen. Your latter shall be greater than your former. In other words, what God has on the way whoo, is so great that, that it, it surpasseth everything that God has already done. You have to have faith to believe that because this is not about seeing it. Because oftentimes, in fact, most of the times, we can't see those kind of promises. We have to believe them. Any faith walkers in here that just believe in the promises of God, don't fool me now, but tell somebody, I believe in God's promise. I believe that God can do just what he said he would do. And so, as we transition to the text, text for today's message occurs in what is the final book of the Old Testament. And it is appropriate that God uses this prophet Malachi, who the book bears his name, to, to write this final book of the Old Testament. It is written in a, in a literary form, unlike perhaps any of the other books of the Old Testament. It is in the form of a dialogue a conversation between God and his people, the nation of Israel. Note how many questions are asked, the answers that are given. Some of the questions are rhetorical. 
other questions requires an answer that God even answers for the people or the prophet answers back to God. This final book of the Old Testament, God says to the nation of Israel, he says, you know, I have done so many wonderful things for you. And although they had not always been faithful, God wanted them to still know this, that he still loved them despite their unfaithfulness towards them. And here is something, and God says, I will still bless you. Look at what he says in chapter 1 in verse 2. The New Living Translation, in the middle of that verse, you will find these words. God says, I have always loved you, says the Lord. Now, this morning at the 8, I said, now, God loved them, although being very disappointed with them. In fact, there are some horrible descriptions that God uses to describe the people of Israel. Elder Glory, I went back to get my research at 11 because I knew Mother Jackson would be here. And I knew that these words aren't just words that we were taught to use. But they are in the Bible. Can I share a few of them with you? Number one is that God called them in the book of Exodus stiff-necked people. Exodus 32 and verse 9. But I still love you. You were stiff-necked, disobedient, unfaithful. I, I gave you things you never did appreciate. I, I gave you villages and I gave you vineyards you did not plant, houses you did not build. I ran other people off their land just to bless you with something. Because when you came out of Egypt, you had nothing. You had nothing. In fact, you left with the Egyptian stuff. And you took the gold and the silver that I gave you in Egypt and you made an idol out of that. So you are stiff-necked, rebellious people. Exodus 32 and 9. And here's where it gets a little interesting in God's choice of words. Then he uses Hosea. In the book of Hosea, chapter 4 and verse 16, and God refers to them as backsliding heifers. See, that's why I had to get my scripture. Mother, it's right here. Okay. God, God referred to them as backsliding heifers. But I still love you. You backslide, you are like a heifer that has been delivered and given to a choice flock, and here you go back to what you had been delivered from. But I still did not give up on you. What a mighty God we serve. How many of you know that even when you turn your back on God, God did not turn his back on you? And God said, you, you, you disappoint 
me, Israel. I've done so many things for you, and here you are, still ungrateful. And then the third unique description that God uses to describe his people, the people of Israel, is found in Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 20. And God says this to them. He says, I can't believe how you've turned out. You are a harlot. A one translation says, you are a whore that goes whoring on every high hill and under every green tree. In other words, you are a prostitute without any selected uh, people. You sell yourself to the highest bidder, no matter who they are. You are not only, let me preach to this side of the church, a stiff neck and a heifer. But you are a whore and a harlot that just sells yourself cheaply to everybody. And I'm glad he was talking then and not in 2017, right? Look at somebody and say, we still got some up in here, up in here. Right now. Stiff neck. Half us. Horrors. But God still love them. I took my time to get so vivid so that you can understand God's capacity to love us beyond our own mistakes. Don't you turn your nose up at Israel when you consider what you've been through. And don't you dare look down on anybody else because we got some Holy Ghost heifers and stick nap and whoring people up in here right now that claim to be saved and full of the Holy Ghost, but yet you are pretentious as what you can be. But the good news is that God still loves you. And if God can give you a second chance, what make you think God can't give other folks? Can I preach? Should I preach? I took my time to itemize the descriptions that God gave so that when you consider giving up on anybody, think about who God has already forgiven and what they have already done. Yet in Malachi chapter 1 and verse 2, God declared, I have always loved you. I loved you when you didn't love me. I loved you when you didn't think about me. When you were doing everything you thought you were big enough to do, I was still loving you, says the Lord. Somebody ought to clap those hands and give God a praise for second chances. Listen, the Lord goes on to challenge them to be faithful as it relates to two things, their living and their giving. God says you've got to be faithful because 
your words really don't mean anything to me. I, I've heard all the good prayers. I know the priest can, can dissect and share the word of God in an excellent manner. But he said to the priests who were hypocrites in their own right, God said to them in chapter 2 and verse 17, listen to this. He says, you have wearied the Lord, Malachi writes, with your words. In other words, can I tell you, can I put it in 2017 vernacular? God says, I'm sick or tired of your talking. I'm sick and tired of all your eloquent words. He come, I she. He come, I come. I pronounce this in the name of God. This I touch and agree. And you don't live a thing. You are deep as what you can be. And you know more scriptures than anybody. But yet you got such a nasty attitude. And, and, you, and you, you don't even faithfully serve. I'm sick and I have become weary of your words. Words are cheap. They mean nothing if they're not backed up by actions. And what God wanted them to know was that when you consider where you could have been, what I've done for you, and all you give me now are fancy words, but yet your living and your giving is nothing compared to where it ought to be. God says it's time to return unto me. Watch what I do. Look at chapter 3 and verse number 6. God speaks these most powerful words to the nation of Israel. He says to them, I want you to know that your existence is totally because of my mercy. Whew, I'm preaching to somebody up in here now. And I know you think that you've been great enough to make it on your own. And that you were strong enough and you were disciplined enough. But God says, no, the only reason why you are here today is because I have not changed. May I preach this? Chapter 3 and verse 6, the Lord says, I am the Lord and I do not change. That is why you, descendants of Jacob, are not already destroyed. In other words, I made some promises to your ancestors that I will bless their seeds. And I keep my word. And some of us are here today because God promised those who've gone on before us that I'll bless the seed that come out of you. And the only reason you've not been destroyed, God says, is because I keep my word. I am not a man that I should lie. You deserve to have been destroyed, but my mercy preserved you today. Anybody here today want to thank God for mercy? All I need is just a few grateful praisers that will stand to your feet for just 30 seconds and wave your hands in the air and tell the Lord, I thank you for mercy. It is because of your mercy. I, I deserve to be locked up. I deserve to have lost my mind, but it is of your mercies that we've not been consumed. Your compassion faileth not. It is renewed every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Somebody ought to say, thank God for mercy. Who am I preaching to? I need a few grateful folk that ought to thank God for mercy. God, you looked out for me when Nobody else did. 
when I was acting like a heifer, stiff-necked whore, you still, you still looked out for me when I didn't have sense enough to do what I should have done. When I left you, Lord, and I went to chase after the latest new thing, can I preach? A hollered under every green tree. When I left you, Lord, and I chased spiritualism. When I left you, Lord, and I said, I don't need your church or your word anymore. But when I hit rock bottom and Oprah couldn't save me, and Iona couldn't feel my miserable life, I had to turn back to you and somehow you were right there to pick me up. All I need is just a few witnesses that God has been there during the worst time of been destroyed because I honor my word. <laughs> Lord, I thank you for the prayers of folk that prayed for me when I didn't have sense enough to pray for myself. Lord, I thank you for what you told Janie, Ruth Jackson, and Andrew Charles Jackson when their oldest son didn't know if he wanted to be a Black Panther, a Muslim, or anything else. And I was a wretch undone. My mind was confused, and I was totally out of control. But God, you made a promise to somebody. And because you honor your word, the descendants of Jacob are not destroyed. Deacon Marlon, you are here because of Francina Walters' faithful prayer that prayed for her son, and look what God has done. God has blessed them, and don't you tell me what God can't do. All I need is just a few old folk. Y'all young folks, sit down. I need a few old folk to stand and shout, prayer still works. Somebody prayed for me, had me on their mind, took the time to like you. Sit down. So the Lord goes on. Share this with you. Verses 8 and 9. To tell them, and I need you to catch this, why he was so disappointed in them. Don't, don't tune me out on this one, okay? Look at what he says. He says, here's why I'm so disappointed with you, Israel. Should people cheat God? I have said to you that you've not been destroyed because I haven't changed. I've given you houses you did not build. I gave you crops you didn't even plant. I gave you other people's cities like Jericho that you didn't even build. But considering all that, remember I told you this was a dialogue. 
Should people cheat God? King James says, should a man rob God? Then the Lord answers and says, yet you've cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? Listen, God said, you've cheated me with the tithe and the offerings to me. Just the stuff that belongs to me. Not only did you keep the 90%, but you robbed me of my 10. I gave you 100. And all I asked is a 10. And yet, you robbed me. You didn't think I was deserving of a 10. Look what I've done for you. That vineyard that you reaped the harvest, I planted it. I gave you the ground. I gave you the seed. I sent the rain. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You sit up here all blessed, decked down, Louis Vuitton, Gucci all up there. All, all the stuff God did for you. You look pretty. You drive pretty. You live in great places. But God said, yet you don't even love me enough to honor me with what is mine. Yeah. You've cheated me. Then he says this. You are under a curse. No wonder you can barely get by. There are holes in your pocket. The more money you make, the less you have. It seems like you can't ever dig yourself. And you don't understand why the good job you have, all the money you make, you don't seem to have more than just ordinary people that love God, that still live in low to middle income neighborhoods that don't have nearly what you have, but as happy as they can be. God said, because you robbed me. And I'll take people and bless them with less than you with all the things you have. Why? Because you've not honored me. You have robbed me with both your giving and your living. And let me put a pin in this because I want to send notice, take notice of this to everybody in here who think you can write a check on your way to heaven. God said, you give all you want, but if you don't live anything, you're still going to bust hell wide open. <laughs> Preach Pastor Jackson. This is one of these pastoral messages I want you to get. Because God said, there's some folk in here who think, I don't have to live any kind of way. I can just give, and because of my generosity, they're going to overlook all that I don't do in the form of living. The devil is a liar. Because the fact of the matter is that God doesn't really need your money. God, God can raise it up from anybody. And God can take the widow's might and do more than the millionaire's millions of dollars. And so Malachi tells them that God says, If you are faithful and return unto me with living and giving, then look at what God says I'll do. And I'll end in verses 10, 11, and 12. And here is the more is on the way. God says, I have not only given you so much, but when you return unto me and be faithful with living, somebody shall live in and give in. Here's what God promised. Verses 10, 11, and 12. Look at what God will do. I will 
open the windows of heaven for you. Your networking in secular environments will not open the doors that you need to be open. You can brown nose, kiss up, and, and pat as many folk on the back all you want. You can be a member of any group, uh, any, any society, any business club you want. But unless God opens the window of heaven, unless God opens the door, you won't ever be blessed. Other folk can't get you to where God wants to take you. May I preach this? I've seen God has blessed me to live a life both in the political, the business, and the spiritual realm. And so I have seen it on all levels. I've been an entrepreneur since 1986. I've been in public office since 1990. I have seen it on every realm. I've seen people sell their soul to get next to somebody they thought can promote them to a certain place. I've seen people compromise their principles just to kiss up to people they thought can take them to the next level and when it was all said and done they sold out to selfish people who don't look out for anybody but themselves and what they've come to realize that promotions don't come from other people but it comes from the Lord every blessing you have you don't have to compromise God knows where to find you God knows your address God knows how to bless you if God has something with your name on it you don't have to compromise your morals your principles or your convictions to be what God has called you to be get ready somebody more is on the way preaching this morning. I'm preaching today to somebody who thinks you've got to sell out to move up. Tell somebody the devil is a liar. Woo! God knows how to move you up. Holding firm to your convictions. Because God will make a way somehow. I will open up the windows of heaven for you, the text says, and will pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in. Put me to the test and see this. God says, try it. Put me to the test. He says to the nation of Israel when he writes this text, your crops will be abundant. For I will guard your crops from the incest and diseases. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe. Uh, God says, then all nations shall call you blessed. And your land will be such a delight, said the Lord of heaven's armies. In other words, what I am going to do for you. It's going to be greater than anything you have seen to this point. But all you've got to do is be faithful and walk upright. And trust me with your living and your giving. And don't worry about what the enemy is trying to do. But I know how to open the floodgates of heaven. Somebody, God is about to open a floodgate in your life. And God says before 2017 is over, somebody is going to get not just more, but more than enough. Look at somebody and say, greater is on the way. More is on the way. Get ready for what God has already promised you.
I dare you to put a praise on that word. You got about seconds to put your best praise. To put your best praise. Trust in the Lord. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. God's got a blessing. Brother Ivan, God's got a blessing with your name on it. And the Tony G, God's got a blessing with your name on it. I need some folk that are going to trust God. If you can't trust God, you'll never be blessed. But to those of you that are willing to trust God, throw your head back and say, more is on the way. Come on, Zion. Come on, by the way. Stand to your feet. Get you a praise partner. And say, I don't care how it looks. I don't care how you feel. I don't care what the devil says. I declare and decree that more is on the way. Get ready. God said, I will open the floodgates of heaven. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Leave your seat. Touch three people and say, get ready, get ready. Get ready, get ready. I have not seen, ears have not heard.
touch and agree is coming. I have a word for you. I have a word for you. It's coming. Somebody in here before 2017 is over. God has declared, I will open the floodgates of heaven. and agree listen to me 
I am not just talking about more stuff. We're not just talking about more money, better jobs, but we're talking about more of his power, more of his glory. Somebody say more of his presence. Songs say we ask for more, more of your spirit, Ooh, like we've never known before. All we ask you, Lord, is for more. Here's the key. Don't miss this. If you get more of God's presence, his presence will bring all the benefits <laughs> that comes with his presence. Whew. But you've got to be faithful. God says, I'm not asking you for much. Faithfulness does not mean perfection. It does not mean faultless. No one is faultless. No one is perfect. But faithfulness just means that you get up every day and you try to do your best. There are so many people that help so many people. And I know you get weary sometimes. Some of you do so, so many wonderful things. I think of you, my friend, Dr. Okirike, all the way in Sumter, every day. I've been to your clinic. I've seen nothing but people out in the lobby. Some of them have nowhere else to go. That's the ministry. God says, that's what I promise you. And so there are others of you that God will use you in ways to impact the kingdom. But you can't be selfish. Whew. It can't just be about you. God says, I'll give you more so that you can do more for others. <laughs> so that you can bless more people. I prayed the other night. I said, Lord, I want to be healthy. I want to preach not to build a greater Bible Way Church of Atlas Road. I've come to the point that I can care less about the size of our congregation. I'm going to say this to you. I haven't checked the number of members that are at this church for the last couple of years. God told me, don't even check it. It doesn't matter to me if it's 13,000 or 13. What matters is just that one person who says, Pastor Jackson, I need more. Whew. God has taken us out of selfishness, and out of building monuments, and cathedrals, and shrines to people. Whew. I told the Lord, I don't want an anniversary. I don't need recognition. All I need is for the Lord to do more in us so that we can do more for him. Come on, Francis. More. We ask. We ask for more. Ah, yeah, yeah. More of your power. Lift those hands. More. more of your glory. More. More. We ask for more. God says he's going to give you more. More of your, your spirit. spirit. 
it from the top, Francis. More, more. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Listen. More. 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 Everybody wave we those hands. Oh, God, here's your request. More of your power. More. More of your glory. Ah. More. We ask oh. for more. We're asking for more. More of your spirit. More of your presence. Like we've never known before. Lord, do more in us. God says all month we have been asking God for more. God says, however, I require more of you. There's some of you who have been so faithful in attending church, but you've not committed to anything beyond attendance. Some of you have been faithful in worshiping God in an environment, but you've not committed to serving God throughout the rest of your life. And so if we ask God for more, God says, I'm requiring more of you right now. And trust me, 
God has blessings that are on the way, but those blessings require more of you. You saw the text. God says, return unto me, and I will return unto you. And then try me, put me to the test, and then see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven. I don't know exactly who I am talking to. In fact, no one specific, but to all of us generally. If you're here this morning, God says, why don't you give me more? Make that commitment. Doesn't matter what people think of you. If you've been committed and you straight away recommit, stand and say, here I am. Because I'm here to tell you the only way you can get more and more is on the way that you've got to be committed. Deacon Chip, the return unto me comes before they open the floodgates. Look at the text. He says, first you do this and then I will open the floodgates of heaven. Problem with us is that we want the floodgates open without us returning unto God. Close those eyes. Hold those hands. And after we pray, if you're courageous and bold enough to just walk out of the comfort zone, and I know there are a lot of people here. You're standing in the midst of over 2,000 people here, and it takes courage to walk out and to stand at this altar and say, here I am, Lord. But let me tell you something. The rewards are so awesome. God says, I do for you what nobody else could ever do. Lord, we thank you. We bless you. We honor you. We thank you for this series. Thank you for this one word more. And we thank you for this final message in which we have been challenged by you to return to living and giving faithfully. And then you've made us a promise that you will open the floodgates of heaven, pour us out so much that we will not even have room to store it. And you will rebuke the enemy for our sake. and He will not destroy the fruit of our ground. And all nations and all people will call us blessed more is on the way and we say thank you this is our prayer in your son Jesus the Christ name we pray and give thanks and the church said amen put your arms around somebody and say more is on the way come on if you're here this morning I'll wait on you someone here come on God God is calling you come you're here this man God bless you God bless you. God. Others are coming right now. Come on, come on, pastors and others help us. Look at these young people. Come on. Where my young ministers and stuff. Nothing else will do. Lord.
All the young people want to join. Come on, where are my young people? Come on, freeze, Ivan. Come on down. Got a lot of young men here. Look at all of them. Look at God. God's doing more. Oh, yes. Stretch your hand. Somebody's still coming. Look at this young lady still walking. Others are coming. More of you. Nothing less. Look at that young man coming up. Come on, young man. God bless you. Oh, God is up to something more. Look at all of these young people that are here. God's doing something. Everybody stretch your hand for you. Thank you, Lord. Jesus' name, amen. As we take them in the back, come on. As we take them back, everybody clap your hands as they walk down the aisle. More of you. 